0: Ethan, this mission of yours is going to cost you dearly.
1: And we're back, and you know, I I was going to surprise you with this. I thought about doing a joke to start off instead of doing... Uh, noise. Instead of doing part of the trailer for Dead Reckoning, I was just going to play the James Bond theme instead and be like, oh no, I screwed up. But I'm, I didn't do that. and We'll, we'll stick to the regular trailer. Uh, well, welcome back to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike, and our mission, if we choose to accept it, is talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 in an Oscars profile review. Yeah, we've been
0: crushing these spy series Over these last few years, we did Mission Impossible, our series review, uh, I think in like the the early portion of our podcast, right? And within the first hundred episodes, it was leading up to Fallout, which apparently was five years ago. Okay, so five years ago. Like, you can only find it on our RSS feed. Like, a lot of the. A lot of the uh, catchers, whether it's Spotify or whatever, it doesn't go back that far. Uh, you gotta
1: type in Mission Impossible and Mike, Mike and Oscar, and should uh, you should get a couple of them popping up wherever you uh, find your podcast.
0: Right, and I tweeted out if anybody's still on Twitter, I have no idea. Uh, I tweeted <laughs> out the link to the SoundCloud. Now we may be changing our RSS feed in the upcoming days, if not weeks. So just stay tuned on that. We'll have more uh information for you guys there but yeah go back and listen to that series i listened to our fallout episode which was great one of our best and yeah we just made animal noises for most of that uh opening and i'm glad you started off with a joke you may have mayhaps have told me uh and then you just you punted on it and and didn't do it but that's uh
1: yeah that's that's good too Imagine the James Bond themes playing. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Nah. I didn't do it, <laughs> <laughs>
0: but this this was uh, this was another movie with a capital M. Oh my God! So I'm I'm looking forward to this this episode here.
1: Yeah, I, I, it was it's a lot of movie, but it doesn't take place over a lot of places, which is I think unique for anyway a Mission Impossible movie or certainly a spy thriller. We'll get into all of it. If you've not joined us before for an Oscars profile, uh, what they are two reviews for one episode. If you've not seen Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, what a mouthful that title is. Don't worry, we're not going to spoil it for you in the first half of this episode the first half we'll be talking about the reception our viewing experiences the box office will hold all aspects of the film up to an oscars lens and tell you about what if any oscars potential this movie may have then you'll get a spoiler warning at the halfway point the second half of this and every oscars profile episode is when we will go into the ins and outs of the plots and spoil it for you so no spoilers to be had in this the first half of this review yeah uh we'll start with uh,
0: an intro and kind of a box office discussion, which I want to have with you here because this is a unique situation here. But uh, to get you there, we have Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, produced by Skydance and TC Productions, and distributed by Paramount Pictures. This is the third film of the Mission Impossible franchise, written, directed, and produced by Christopher McQuarrie, although he also wrote Ghost Protocol before that, and he's been working with Tom Cruise for the past 16 years on every movie Tom Mm -hmm. Cruise has done. And of course, Tom Cruise is the franchise star here. Uh, He is the lead actor, he is the movie star, and he is uh, one of the two producers
1: on Dead Reckoning Part One. He's one of the only bankable leading men in Hollywood, and we're going to talk about that too, and it is... Crazy, that is, he is still at this point and at 61 doing what he does, Unbelievable. Uh, 61 years of age. Critical reception, we've got 97% on 227 reviews right now on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. It's carrying 81 Metascore as well. The audience reception, reception is the word, uh, is early, but it is high, 94% on 500 plus reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It's carrying an 8.2 IMDB rating on its first 12,000 reviews, which I think... Uh, based on what i was looking at it's the high watermark for the mission impossible film franchise wow that's excellent uh
0: mission impossible 7 had its global premiere in rome uh, on those spanish steps not (laughs) unlike a certain film that we just reviewed a couple weeks weeks months ago time is a flat circle but fast x also had its premiere in rome and uh I'm sure. Wasn't it, there another blockbuster
1: we were talking about that that destroyed Italy? Yeah, Fast X. Fast X. But, but, also, but no, but sorry, wasn't there a third? I thought, or no? Am I misremembering? I thought there was I a don't third. Remember, but all right. I definitely
0: know There's a there's a car chase scene in Fast X down the Spanish Steps in the same way, but instead of all the cool little driving that we get from Cruz and, and company here. Vin Diesel just ran over the wall. He just drove his charger. Just <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, this is the box office situation for Dead Reckoning. It looks to be a six to seven million opening preview. And that's Monday and Tuesday. Monday, there was one screening for, for everybody nationwide, 7 p.m. at certain theaters. And then Tuesday, you got your quote unquote preview screenings, the traditional preview screenings. So there's going to be a 5-day box office for this cuz it opened on Monday essentially and it or I guess I what is that, how does that even count it's really a 7-day box office but
1: yeah I don't know what they what the uh what the approach is here but yeah whatever they call a preview I am used to a preview just being Thursday but this one's having like a week long runway which is fine I mean I don't think it matters it's going to make a ton of money Yeah I think technically today's its opening
0: day the the 12th I think so as well the on 12 Wednesday. on Wednesday yeah and it's It's otherwise going to get that quote unquote five day projection of 90 million domestically, with another 160 projected to be grossed internationally for a $250 million overall first weekend projection. Now, this would be good for any movie except that the budget is listed at $291 million, an inflated number, much like Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which is going to come up a couple times today, because there were COVID-19 delays on several occasions, at least two big delays that I read about, including a 14-day quarantine uh, before the English uh, filming that happened on the same railway that uh, Dial of Destiny uh, was filmed at. But... We also had Tom Cruise in a very famous speech, yelling at his crew and dropping a lot of f bombs to make sure that they followed all the COVID protocols. So, mm-hmm. Dead Reckoning Two is already filming, so they're, I don't think they're worried at Paramount Pictures necessarily. I mean, he's he's been shown with uh, you know previewing the stunts, hanging off. You know these old planes and skydiving and talking to the camera and, and and ticktocking it and sending it out on all the socials. So we know it's not prohibitive for part two. They're committed to both parts of this, obviously, calling it a part one. But what do you think of the box office
1: situation here? Are they going to make a billion and and at least break even? I. You know how I feel about these $300 million budgets. I don't think you go into these thinking that you're going to make a huge profit. I don't understand. Like, the mathematics rarely turn out to be that way. But, yeah, I think this one has a, a, as good a chance as anything with that high of a number. That's not, you know, a Avengers Endgame type movie to, to come in and, and break a billion. Uh, it's, you know, $250 million opening is a good pace setter to get to that point it's certainly better and happier times and happier box office than something like indiana jones and even something like fast x right well i think the the good thing about mission
0: impossible is that tom cruise films whether it is a mission impossible movie like fallout or obviously top gun maverick but top gun maverick was a special case regardless they all have legs and Tom Cruise movies.
1: Why? Like, can we? this is the Tom Cruise conundrum that I was talking about. Like, mm-hmm. th- uh, how is this guy still the the apex of movie stardom? I mean, first of all, movie stardom in and of itself has a huge problem because we only have like four or five bankable leading men in Hollywood anymore. And they're the same guys that were famous 20 years. Like, the only bankable leading man that's come out in the last 20 years, to in my opinion, has been The Rock and you can make a case against him anyway. Like that's it. Those are it's, it's like it's Leo, it's Denzel, Tom Hanks to an extent, Tom Cruise, maybe Brad Pitt's in that conversation. Well, he's
0: a he's a sex symbol still and he is a action hero unlike we've ever seen. So I think there's a draw to maybe not four quadrants necessarily, but at least three of the four quadrants. To, to go see this movie in theaters. There's also an older audience that's gonna keep coming throughout a, a summer you know release period, and we don't necessarily after Barbie and Oppenheimer have a busy August. I, I know there's a lot of films coming out, but I could see Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One playing all the way through August, just picking up 10 million a weekend for a long time coming like there's no big marvel films coming out. Yeah, you got Meg 2 and you got you got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles earlier in the month, but I th- I think he has legs because uh, you know, A he's got the three quadrant appeal to to all kinds of audience members. He's got an older audience that shows up late, but he also like I want to rewatch this movie. Like yeah, this is so. such a unique experience because of the stunt work and the pra- practical effects. I want to study it even more and I I almost feel bad today. I, I feel naked in a way, Michael. That that I don't have my my cozy sweaters of all, all my rewatches that I'm calling my cozy sweaters <laughs> and I'm I'm the emperor with no clothes during this uh <laughs> during this episode because I usually like to watch these movies again and again but I want to rewatch this movie and I think a lot of people are going to be like that with uh with this film. Now I I want to see this in Dolby. I saw it in IMAX, but I want to see it in AMC Dolby now.
1: You know, I think that matters. Uh, I mean, I don't disagree. I agree with everything you're saying, but why are we so willing to separate the art from the artist in I mean, if, if you put Tom Cruise's resume on on like, I don't know, 90% of Hollywood, it's the guy's poison. The Scientology stuff, the the stuff with all the the women he's dated and married, and and all kinds of rumors coming out of that. Like, and yet we're just we keep showing up, and we're we're enthralled and in love with him. And I'm no different. I mean, I love the guy. Uh, I'm not a squirrel. I've
0: I really <laughs> try. No, look, it. I I agree with you. I think it's problematic. There's no question about it. To the point where they've managed his career, and we've had guests like Scott Feinberg of the Hollywood Reporter talk about how his people have to manage him in many a ways to, to where he is not out there too much. He's not campaigning for Oscars yeah. for months on end because they don't want him spouting off about his religious beliefs necessarily. They don't want, I mean that religion is under fire for a lot of good reasons. Right. Uh, it's it, for, for a lot of obvious reasons. They're, they're suspect in a lot of ways. Now, that's not... I mean, I don't know. I don't know everything, truthfully, myself, but it doesn't look good. It looks like... Right, it, right. It looks like it's a bit cultish. However, he's kept his distance to an extent, even though he's kind of the face of the celebrity... Uh, I guess... Wing? Wing of, it, of the religion, yeah. but he he's kept his distance from at least the... you know, the really scary controversies at least so he's he's kept his nose clean it, can I even say that but like you're saying there's, there's a lot of rumors out there so I don't I,
1: that's I just it's so bizarre to me like I feel like if this was if this resume was on and this backstory was attached to like almost anyone else in Hollywood they're, they're not getting 300 million dollar budgets to produce their own movies that's for sure but here here's what I
0: do believe I believe he's like all consumed by his movie career I, I, I understand. Oh, yeah. that he's, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, he has other interests in life, but he, this guy is. Yeah, they're all trying committed. to kill himself.
1: Oh, well, God. but yes.
0: Well, I mean, but with all the stunt work. So, I mean, he is committed to these disciplines like nobody else. So, when, when you see that put on screen in a Top Gun Maverick and you see that put on screen here in these Mission Possible f- movies, I, I've, ne- I've never seen, uh, you know, apart from like these action specific guys like a Jackie Chan. Or, uh, or I mean, even Arnold and Sylvester Stallone, yeah,
1: they don't do their stunts like this right. guy, does him. But is this like, is that how simple we all are? It's like, yeah, you know, those rumors are harsh, but look how cool he is. <laughs> You know, I, like, I, I and mean, I, I'm as guilty of it. I don't know. I, I don't know where the line is. I'm just asking questions here because I I've, I cannot help. Like, I was enjoying so much my viewing experience like I do. I love the Mission Impossible series. I love what Tom Cruise does. I love his crazy-ass attitude towards it with this stunt work. And yet the whole time yesterday, I'm like, why is this working? Why am I not, like, repulsed by any of this? I, I don't know. I, I'm more of a, it's a
0: rumor by association yeah. state of, ignorance right now Mm -hmm. I don't know of any specific rumors about him like to to where he's done terrible things in the religion I don't know or or I don't I don't know so that that's where I I I I guess I plead to fit I just don't know that's
1: that's true there as far as his in you know direct involvement or his you know there's not like the Jonathan Majors allegations against him that are out there no not at all I mean he's buddies
0: his greatest sin is that he was quote-unquote Buddies with Miscavige, who Mm -hmm. has a lot of horrible things said about him, right? I mean, as far as I know, I... I, Well, there's there's
1: also, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff about, like, mental... It's, again, it's all rumors and and innuendo. Nobody's, there's not not even been direct allegations about, like, stuff he may have done to Katie Holmes and how Katie Holmes needed to escape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. cetera. So, who knows? But, again, it's all that, it's just, you know, in a world in which... We are so ready and willing, and the, the the Twitterati is so ready and willing to to you know excommunicate so many people and jump down their throats and and talk badly about them. Man, Tom Cruise is I don't know if it's him I don't know if it's his team but I mean he just keeps showing up and making money. You've watched the same few documentaries about Scientology mm-hmm.
0: though, and he's he's been talked about by the people who have, have escaped the religion as yeah. kind of above a lot of those quote unquote protocols. Yeah. Even though yeah. so so his celebrity wing kept of the religion... In the dark is, about it, yeah, yeah, I I I don't think he's suspect to the or, or he's 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 made to do the same things that a normal is uh, religious the of that religion is yeah, I I don't know, but then is I the thing is that the thing i that it, the it is it, that to an extent, but I, I mean, th- nobody shows the craft and the commitment that this guy does, and maybe we'll yeah. we'll all be burned by this ten years from now, and when, when, if the truth comes out about his participation in religion. But right now, I, I don't, and I wonder if Hollywood's feel feels the same way. I I, don't, I I would think so because shouldn't this guy have an Oscar by now, based on this ki- kind of a career, even a special achievement Oscar. Like how is has how that not happened when he climbed the tallest building in the world in Ghost Ghost Protocol part you know or uh, Mission Impossible Four? How did that not happen when he's flying these these jets and these planes in Top Gun Maverick? And how does it not happen here when he jumps off of that cliff on a motorcycle six times
1: in one day? This has got to be one of those situations where if not if the honorary Oscar isn't coming then it's he's you know the the inevitable Glenn Close coronation Oscar might be in the pipeline at some point for Mr. Cruz, no?
0: Well, we're going to get to it in our Oscar lens, but I have a proposition for you, and okay. I think I think it's going to happen. But, uh, well, l- let's get into this movie, and, and I, it's a great question. It's probably worth a series of podcasts uh, to, to dive into. I'm not going to do it, though, because I'm not a squirrel. Uh, <laughs> Apologies
1: to Leo, too, by the way. He's, he's on that list of leading <laughs> men that make money. Yeah, I didn't tr- name
0: him. truthfully. But anyway, yeah. Uh, we do have people criticizing this movie which was kind of baffling to me in this extent and, I, and i'm going to be measured on this experience by the way okay I'm, I'm not as i'm not as over the moon about dead reckoning as i was about fallout but people have criticized this movie for having a slow first hour a slow hour and a half i was talking to you in a pre-show and this is just ridiculous to me because that's movie crazy flew. <laughs> it's crazy we were talking about, you know, the
1: five sequences that this movie is essentially and the first two are nuts. Yeah, I I, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to take my mother and I, you know, we watched the first half hour, whatever happens in the first half hour happens. And I turned to her and I said that would you know, there's a, literally about 30 something on minutes of movie uh, film before you get the opening title sequence. Right. And I turned to her and I said, you know, this was a, get a half hour movie before the opening sequence. And she says, that was 30 minutes. So, I mean, <laughs> it just flies. Good. It does fly.
0: I, so I was I was taken aback at that criticism. Maybe it's not it's not the white knuckler that the, the last hour and a half is.
1: Do you think it's people have that? I mean, there's no way to know, but I, I love putting you on the spot in awkward questions all day today, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but Tom Cruise isn't on screen for the first Giant set piece of this movie, and maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, it
0: could, it could, it absolutely could. And then he's, uh, you know, he's not necessarily the focal point of the next two sequences either. So, I, I would agree with you in that respect. Uh, and uh, I'm glad for it though, because you get the chance to develop these other characters, yeah, and you do get the chance to develop the MacGuffin. Uh, which is th- just absolutely the <laughs> premise of the franchise, as you were saying. MacGuffin Impossible. MacGuffin Impossible. So, look, I would say this plot line kind of fits more through for the uh, Mission Impossible's 2 through 5. In the sense that they're elevating in one way or another traditional spy movie save the world plot lines. I thought Mission Impossible 1 was a very... Twisty, clever thriller i know you loved it yes. and i thought fallout it had a couple of twists that i didn't expect and it had more of a spy movie kind of plot line or, or a spy v spy plot line that i respected more than i respect this one this is go get the mcguffin Mm-hmm. There are five awesome set pieces. Oh, by the way, there are two pieces of this MacGuffin, a la Dial of Destiny, Rise of the Beasts, that we've <laughs> seen dumb, hilariously bad. They're done. I, I said dumb, hilariously bad. Done, hilariously bad, and slip. and slip. And this movie, to me, in many ways, what's the difference between the elements of Dead Reckoning Part 1 and Fate of the Furious slash Fast X, like, it just seems like he watched those two movies and maybe had the combination of, of, of them in this particular plot. This is not a, to, to just
1: go on and on and on about the fact that this is a simple plot, Michael. It's very straightforward, very linear, which I, I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, if you, especially if you put it apples to apples against the convoluted twistiness that this franchise, like Mission Impossible 1, I rewatched that last night. It's... Batshit. shit. <laughs> <Like> there's, <laughs> there's twists in like every 15 minutes in that movie. And this doesn't have that, which isn't a bad thing, I don't think. Well, I would say
0: the exposition dumps are few and far between. When they come, they're awful. That was the, ba- that was the worst thing of this movie, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I hated the political chatter because I just feel like it's so uh, just so rote and frustrating. And I don't want twists built off of that. To me, this movie is just, whatever, six sequences. We'll get into it in spoilers. It's six sequences, and you have three of the greatest but clenchingly awesome action set pieces I've ever seen. And most of them are in like these two-part sequences, which are phenomenal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, it's weird, too, because I feel like this one wanted to be... More emotionally investing than than something like Fallout, but I found myself more emotionally invested in what happened with Fallout than I did with this one. I have a few theories on why that is,
0: okay. but I, I I I think it's important to get into the cast structure there. But before before we do, I'm wondering where this movie ranks for you. And I know we did a ranking episode on the Mission Impossible franchise to culminate things after Fallout. I did not go back and re-listen to that. I remember you having the first film ranked pretty high, but we both had Fallout number one, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is
1: still below Fallout, but I mean, it's right. It's probably I it, probably put it behind Mission Impossible One, but it's you know it's one of the top three. It might be on board on the same level of Mission Impossible One with me, but I, I'd say it's behind Fallout, like you are. I'm curious to rewatch Rogue Nation. Actually, I
0: wonder. I wonder where that ranks for me. I, remember I rewatched
1: that too. I wasn't crazy. I mean, it's, it's good, but I, it just wasn't mm. one of the. I just wasn't crazy about it. Yeah, so maybe you're right. Maybe I'm
0: closer to Fallout with Dead Reckoning Part One, and maybe yeah, maybe it's two or three for me as well. That that's an interesting thing that I, I wish we could redo for every franchise series that we have ongoing. And this is the fun part of it, but we we review so many movies on this show that it's yeah. it's hard like i really needed to rewatch the first
1: six again before this movie yeah i i did rewatch fallout before going in and then i watched uh, and i i watched uh rogue nation too before going into this one but i watched one on the outset asking you a similar question that you asked me not too long ago did you go in with the, the mindset that this is a part 1 yeah i did the
0: the fact that they belligerently called it a part 1 too Mm-hmm. Or as well, I should say. Uh, I knew this was going to be a, a half a story, so I was I was bracing for that. Just like I knew Spider Verse was going to be half a story, right. and I'm glad. I'm glad. And I knew Dune was going to be half a story. So I mean, I think this is this is something that audiences are much more receptive to since Infinity War slash Endgame did it so phenomenally well. Right, because we—I mean, look—we saw this in the '80s with *Empire Strikes Back*, and everybody knew trilogies were the thing, and and you're going to get a middle setup movie. But as setup movies go, this is one of the better versions of that. So if yeah, if you need a simpler plot just to get us a great setup movie for a finale to a story, this is this is a pretty good great way to do it. I would say I agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree. Anyway, let's talk performances. I, I want to get to Tom Cruise, but first I thought this ensemble was just fantastic in terms of their acting level but also their commitment to the stunts here like this is top of your game best shape of your life level acting from most of these you know these movie stars slash stunt people in this
1: so what did you say was the weakness for you? You said it a couple minutes ago. Every uh, scene where there's just an exposition dump. The expo dumps, okay.
0: That that was a problem for me, but the actual action scenes. Yeah, I mean, I, here I'm forgetting the expo dump terrible acting of Carrie Elway's. or Look, I don't like Henry Zerny in this. What he's what? got? A, he's got a few jokey jokes <laughs> that I like. I
1: don't. Oh my God, Henry Zerny. Hen- Listen, Paramount should pay Henry Zerny the way mm. that HBO paid James Gandolfini to never take another role. Like Henry Zerny <laughs> was born and bred to be a dick from the CIA. <laughs> he is a dick from the CIA. <laughs> he he is kittredge That's that's what his, that is well, his destiny.
0: I would say, and I'm a I'm a piece of garbage for, how dare I say this, but I would say <laughs> that uh, maybe you need to take another half dozen roles and three no, movies, etc. Absolutely not. I, I was
1: appalled by his role in no, six
0: to, to, to get your acting chops up, my friend, because I, I don't know. I just I was. Not...
1: You've never seen me really upset. This is me listening, <laughs> Um, I will say, like, and the reason I asked what your downfall, what your uh, lows were there is because I thought the performance, some of the performances were not great for me. And I was surprised by something like Vanessa Kirby is a cartoon character. Yeah. She's
0: not given a, enough to do in this. I wonder, she's not. If, I it's don't true. know. I, I wonder if they looked at her as an assist person in this movie, but she's fine to me. Like the stars of this movie are, are, are non, the non cruise stars are Pom Pom Clementief. Yes. She's great. Haley Atwell is tremendous. Rebecca Ferguson is is great again. Mm-hmm. Isai Morales is, is is doing some of the heavy lifting in this movie, and he's pulling it off fairly well. And he's convincing as the the baddie. I think I have more problems with his character.
1: It's a very difficult bad guy to pull off mm. because he's not the bad guy, or
0: is he? Like we're, we're right. not sure yet.
1: Well, the bad guy isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get Is it there. It's intangible, anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, but I, I would say, like, the Ving Rames and Simon Pegg, they have, they've never been better.
1: Simon Pegg made me laugh out loud multiple times. Ving Rames I, I felt like, was separated. It, like, he, he shot all his scenes separate from everybody else. Like, he was just, I don't know. I wasn't crazy about him, but all it's, right. it's well, Ving He's I,
0: he, he, he was funny to me. And, and you're right, I mean, he might have been... He's uh, he's the guy in the chair in a lot of these right. scenes, obviously. Right. But but look, Tom Cruise was the funniest he's ever been, and then he's the craziest he's ever been again, with yes. all the action scenes.
1: Yes, and- I had no problem with Tom Cruise. I didn't have much problem with Haley Atwell. If you did rewatch Fallout before going to see this, I mean, okay. again, uh, Rebecca Ferguson's very good, but. Uh, Vanessa Kirby is I mean, she's like she's playing two different characters between the two movies. It's weird.
0: Vanessa Kirby's in the dangerous uh, bad guy role or, or or trickster hero role, which is, uh, you know, it's it, it's a good role to be in because, you know, we have characters in this movie in that role or in that structure and they're showcased and yeah. they're, and their abilities are showcased. She's not in that role in this movie at all. So yeah, I, I would agree with you there. But that might be more function in the in the ensemble for her because obviously we know she's Academy Award nominated. So yeah, she's underutilized.
1: It is weird seeing her in in pieces of a woman and then seeing her in this, and it's like, uh, and I guess that's a credit to her range right. because she's able to pull off both. But yeah, yeah. Weird. But Cruz is like
0: having emotional blowouts in this movie too like he's astronaut level emotionally suppressed for a lot of it and then he's (laughs) and then he's movie star charismatic during the mission smiling action comedy guy and, and that's he's great at both and then he's like blow it out emotionally and he's landing those scenes as well like tom cruise delivers a great performance here i don't think it'll be academy award nominated no but and I don't think any performances are getting academy uh, award nominations here but like is
1: this as good as Top Gun Maverick? It's got to be close, no? Well, you're the aficionado there. You were, <laughs> I mean, you have Top Gun Maverick. You would put it on Mount Rushmore over like George Washington's face if you could.
0: I think he had the Oscar real scene. And even though he's blowing him blowing out emotionally uh in several outbursts in this movie, it's it's during an action scene or it's at the, you know, the the, the penultimate sequence of the the whole action uh, you know I, I sequence too many babies <laughs> <laughs> the penultimate action scene of the action sequence i should say as i knock into my microphone look i think tom cruise is great i mean he's getting better and better in terms of his acting so i but i, I don't to think go
1: back and look to see i mean if we've ever had What could be considered an action blockbuster of the time if there's ever been a nominee for a performance from any of those he's gonna get one
0: for like dead reckoning part two right if that movie is great he's got to get
1: one at some point for something
0: all right well here's my oscar theory as we get into production values vfx this year is gonna be in my opinion half stunt practical effects driven or stunt-driven, really, okay. but it's practical effects for John Wick Chapter Four and Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, Part One. Oh, I like that. Those two need to be in there. I don't know how you have that have a category, visual effects, and and it's not in there. I mean, they made a topside train chase slash fight look as good as it's ever been. And if you compare this movie to Indiana Jones: Dial of Destiny at uh, a train sequence, it's, it's not even close.
1: No comparison, huh?
0: And then you have all, like, I'm watching this movie. I don't know what's real and what's not, even though, yeah, I mean, if, if the tunnel, the train tunnel, we all see that CGI a little bit. But other than that, this movie, I can't tell. Like, during that car chase, it looks all real.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. And that's a great, and we do know, I mean, we know how much Cruz likes his practical effects, first of all. And we know how much the Academy, the VFX branch, likes you know favors practical effects over uh heavy cgi stuff so they're blending it as good as it's ever been
0: blended before or they're really <laughs> filming it which is completely nuts to me so well you uh, said they actually blew up a bridge in poland for this right they actually blew up part of a bridge uh, after a lot of protests <laughs> from <laughs> Uh, the Polish people, the good people of Poland, who did mm-hmm. not want their, even though it was it was set for demolition, they did not want their bridge. I don't want to. I don't want to step in anything more. I'm going to have the Scientologists Scientologists <laughs> Poland, and everybody, yeah, who that vilifies famous Tag Bruce. Team. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to have the the Triangle. Yeah, this is like pissing off the monsters, the Gaga monsters here. What am I doing? <laughs> Just ignorant idiot. This whole episode, getting, but, an,
1: getting the poles angry at you. Those are my people. You talk about your people all the time. What am I doing? What am I doing? So,
0: yeah, everybody's going to be mad at me for mischaracterizing things in this episode. But they did blow up part of that bridge, and it looked freaking cool. Good God. It did. It did. It looked great. So this movie – I'm banging the table for Dead Reckoning to be nominated for a visual effects Oscar. Now, I'm thinking that after they created this production branch of the Academy, they are getting ready to split the – Award for visual effects and stunt performance. Like we're gonna get a stunt Oscar category. It's coming soon.
1: And And where is what what makes you say that? I think
0: Tom Cruise. Well, they created a new branch. That's right.
1: simple. So you think it's it's the uh, that's the that's the red carpet. That's the rollout. That is the prerequisite
0: for actually having a a category. So they're building that category up. Maybe it's a year or two. But Tom Cruise for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 2 is going to be the f- part of the team that is the first recipient of the stunt work Oscar.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like you reading the tea leaves there.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe that's why they're not going to give him a special achievement Oscar yet. We already know the movie's going to have the goods. He's hanging off planes on TikTok. So He
1: is he is hanging off planes. And then uh, to be fair, that may not be for any movie.
0: <laughs> You're right. We're not, we're not sure. But this year we're going to have Dead Reckoning. We're going to have John Wick 4. I would bang the table for both of those movies. And we're going to have Dune and Oppenheimer. Like, what else is going to fit into the VFX category? I don't know. But those four need to be there. Christ. What about sound for this movie? That's what my question for you. I, I am a little... I, I don't register the sound design on a first watch. This is where I feel a bit naked. Uh, in this episode, did did you notice the sound all that well?
1: Yeah, only in so. I mean, in far as like you know, having that sustained wind and in that fight that's going on on top. And there was a lot of homages to Mission Impossible One. I don't know if that's. I don't think that's a spoiler, but like you know, you are on top of a train for a part of that, and it makes you know that you the the engine roaring in that that car chase throughout Rome. You you definitely noticed that, and I would think, like you said, if you were to see it as in a Dolby, everything would be amplified. Sound also, I think it's the only BAFTA nomination that this franchise has had so far. And I think it was wow. from Fallout. So there is at least somewhat of a you know precedent to have that go that way and car, be recognized for it. Car chase or car race
0: movies have won a lot of mm-hmm. sound Oscars, sound design Oscars, since we started the pod. I mean, we've had Baby Driver with a big car chase scene. We've had Ford v. Ferrari. Ferrari, yep. Uh, Even before that, we had a big motorcycle chase from the girl with the dragon tattoo. It wasn't that numb. Anyway, Mad Max Fury Road before we Mm -hmm. started was a big uh, Oscar winner in the sound categories. So this happens in sound categories because I think you have to create so many noises from these car chases. Now, I just wonder if they just... Had microphones on the cars and they just recorded it. <laughs> <laughs> again it's editing and mixing.
1: Tom Cruise when he wasn't when it was a stunt driver he was in charge of holding the boom leaning out of a car and having it <laughs> right up against the tire. Do it. Who else yeah. is in there? <laughs> and and that
0: kind of brings up the brings up cinematography by the way because we we bang the table for cinematography to get tons nominated. of
1: drone shots in this.
0: Well, is it drones or is it flying squirrel cinematographer men (laughs) holding cameras? We don't know. It looks like somebody is skydiving next to him.
1: Oh, that has to
0: be. That has to be what what is happening there. There is a camera
1: in his face while he's jumping off that mountain. And this is what I said to you in the pre-show. Like, it's one thing to do these stunts, right? But like to do them as many times as he has to do them. Like the Halo jump, they talked about how they did it. I think like five or six times. This jump off the cliff, which is in every preview for this movie, which it rightfully should be. uh, You said they did like six times in and of itself. Like doing this stunt is one thing, and doing it over and over is another thing. But doing it and acting through it is like unprecedented stuff it's it's crazy that tom cruise has to play ethan hunt during the halo jump and follow during this cliff jump in this one where he's got the wind in his face pulling back his cheeks you can see the guy's skull for christ's sake and he's talking still like talking to benji over the mic
0: it's unlike anything we've ever seen before it's crazy period i i cannot get over the fact that he has done so much Work with, with his cheeks blown back <laughs> in
1: his head. <laughs> For real? I mean, it's, you know, if you really sit back and think about this stuff, it's it's not like, you know, yes, you could you do things over and over that become easier, but it's not like it's any less death defying jumping off that cliff the more times you do it. <laughs> you it's, know what I mean? It is the highest level trapeze work we've ever
0: seen. This guy is, <laughs> he's the greatest stuntman slash movie star. Other than like like we said, maybe Jackie Chan. It's 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 that level. So
1: and again, it's worth mentioning. He's sixty-one. John Voight in Mission Impossible One was (laughs) fifty-eight. John Voigt couldn't move in Mission Impossible
0: One. John Voigt did not convincingly run or climb a
1: ladder from a cartoon snake. There's a scene where, good point. There's a scene where John Voigt has to jog down a bridge in Mission Impossible One, and it takes all of his energy.
0: Why are we Why are we hitting John Voigt so hard? Neither of nah, us. Would big man
1: He's a big maga guy. Okay. I don't like him.
0: Oh, okay. Really. <laughs> anyway. Jesus, Uh, poor, poor John Voight's hamstrings in 1990, whatever that was, seven, 1996. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But my, uh, like I was saying, our hamstrings wouldn't do much better. Yes. That being said, the the production values of this movie are off the charts. If Dead Reckoning Part One does get a lot of Oscar nominations, we could see, I mean, we, we could make the case for not only VFX and sound, but cinematography editing
1: i mean the score rumbled and growled i would yeah. doubt the score gets nominated i would too but yeah there is that i mean it's also you could make the case like how original is it because the, the theme does play an awful lot but it, it isn't i mean it is a score that yeah this
0: really gets to you it's great. I, I thought i thought it was excellent and it's like this bad guy flexing part one of two type of evil score Mm-hmm. for this that was unique for a mission impossible movie it wasn't like a fun happy snappy score so i thought that worked that was an ominous mission impossible score so
1: you never know maybe that's in- involved so well on its best day it's you know what's the best day for mission impossible dead wrecking part one at the oscars probably two three well
0: i think its best day is vfx sound design cinematography and picture maybe editing
1: oh, so you it, wanted it to ride five. the mad
0: max lane okay so sure it, Look, we've seen a lot of movies disappoint this year already. Yep, good we're, point. I'm looking blockbuster at blockbuster specifically. Wide, yep. Yeah, I'm looking at a wide open Oscars field. If this movie has legs, especially off of Top Gun: Maverick, and he's still saving the film business, I don't know. I don't think we're we're out of the realm that this is a five time Oscar nominee. But that's probably its ceiling, I would say. And yeah, I think more likely this is a two. Oscar-nominated... You know, two-time Oscar-nominated movie. I don't know what you'd put for an over-under if you'd put a 1.5 or a 2.5 necessarily. I was
1: thinking... See, I was thinking 0. .5 because... Well, I guess 1.5 would be... would be. I don't think this is a one... I, I Well, VFX... If, if VFX get one. is
0: not nominated for this movie, it's, it's just, what are we doing? Like, what are you doing? Well, that's what
1: I was going to... Like, I the, the whole thinking behind that for me is, like, if it's going to be nominated for VFX, you should nominate it for at least... That and one other thing, right? Like sound, it should be like it should be a technical marvel. My guess, but I guess there is there are plenty of examples where VFX is the lone nomination well, look, for a movie.
0: Like I said, I I hope to rewatch this movie again, and maybe we'll have to revisit this conversation when we talk about the box office eventually, because. I want to come away from my rewatches saying, oh, I'm banging the table for sound and editing and cinematography and picture. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be there. I, I, I'm guessing I'm going to wind up saying, all right, two noms. This
1: should ha- This should definitely have two yeah. noms. 1.5 is a good over-under. Okay. You talk me into it. All right. Well, there's a first. <laughs> you want to try to spoil this? Sure. <laughs> all right. Spoilers ahead been a long time, friend.
0: You've no idea the power represent. It knows your story and how it
1: ends. This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1, Chapter 4. It's a long title is what it is, but we're going to spoil it here. Brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar, the Oscars profile review of this movie. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on us. Go check it out at your local theater. We'll be here waiting for you when you come back to hit play. If you've seen Dead Reckoning, Part 1 already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, this is where you want to be. If you just want to hear what happens in the movie, this is also the right place for you. All spoilers for Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning part one the Oscars profile from Mike Mike and Oscar Michael
0: okay so I had a couple of topics for us to discuss and then maybe we can kind of do the rest of the rundown on the plot the Haley Atwell of it all is where I wanted to start this was a big change at least tonally and I do think she worked out really well in this movie however it's different it's a different dichotomy between Tom Cruise and Rebecca Ferguson, who's their kind of equals in terms of their super spy level. And here we have Haley Atwell playing the character of grace, who is a cat burglar, who is a super thief and she has various strengths and, and vulnerabilities. She's not like the greatest driver fighter ever, but she hangs tough of course. And you have a lot of, opportunities for comedy and i would say the the beautiful accidents of like awkward car chase that that was a great sequence for me and a lot of it's because she's not a car chase
1: (laughs) uh, she's not a car chase driver She doesn't think she's a good driver, apparently. It's like the innuendo you get throughout her uh, having to take the wheel there, yeah.
0: But she does some great driving in that scene. My God, she saves everybody's lives in that scene. But she is very much a Catwoman or a Phoebe Waller bridge as Helena Shaw. We just saw her in Dial of Destiny playing a very similar part of that plot in terms of a cast structure. So they had great chemistry. You got the, you got a good fit. She's a pickpocket, and you have a walkabout spy sequence at the Abu Dhabi airport. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, I just said she's great in the car chase sequence and in and, and, uh, Rome there, and then she's kind of this trickster hero. You don't know which side she's going to wind up being on. She's very elusive in that sense, and she makes it work. However, do you think they did Rebecca Ferguson a little dirty here?
1: In what way?
0: Rebecca Ferguson was killed. There's yep. a lot of chemistry there, and I, I don't want to make this a romantic thing. I'm glad they left it the p- platonic. And well I, that's I think where should. I was
1: I was gonna jump like, did they? Because well, that's my I question. mean is it is it too much to ask that we get a female lead in one of these Mission Impossible movies that doesn't have like all kinds of sexual tension written into the plot with Ethan Hunt? Like Rebecca Ferguson's thirty nine and sixty one year old Tom Cruise is like caressing her face in some scenes.
0: Well, they like, were
1: an item. They they were an item in the last few films. So is Haley Atwell's forty one and there's this flirtation going on throughout the airport with Tom Cruise. Like, can can we just have a woman that has her own agency and is just a badass? Here's what I'll say: They skirted it in this
0: movie. I'm going to be annoyed a little bit if if the next movie is just all about them romantically involved. Like, that's going to be unnecessary. Now, he's a super spy. She's a, you know, she's a cat burglar. Bruce yeah, but, Wayne, like, what bothers me, Mike, is, is
1: is Tom Cruise just came out recently. He's like, I want to make these movies until I'm 80. Like, he, he was quoting, you know, acknowledging Harrison Ford. He's like, I want to do what Harrison Ford's doing with Indiana Jones. I want to make the- Like, so do I have to worry about... Tom Cruise, like, having a, a 30-year-old wife in his 70s in these it, movies? Uh, like, I don't want to, you know? It's been done for decades in Hollywood before. I know. With Sean don't, Connery. With, don't like it then, either. John yeah. Voight had a wife that looked very, very much younger than him in the first Mission Impossible. I Claire, mean, we,
0: I mean. We, we, we just saw, who is the great, oh, Jesus, who's the great Italian? Dean Martin. Dean Martin with, uh, you know, Margot Robbie's character that she played in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Right. I mean, Dean Martin's in his 60s or 70s. Dean and, Martin with Margo. Robbie? And who Margo did, did Margot Robbie play in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Very famous actress. Sh- Sharon, Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate, thank you. Sharon Tate and Dean Martin were an item in that <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. goofy right. action yes, movie yes, yes, within yes, the yes. movie in Once Upon a Time mm-hmm. in Hollywood. So w- this has been done for decades in Hollywood, and it's pr- been always wrong and creepy and gross and slimy. It is cre- yes. Forever. I, I so th- they haven't gone there yet in this movie. Maybe you're, you're – I mean, I'm with you. I'm sensing some tension. So if, th- if that happens in the next movie, I'm like, eh, well, well, you know, we don't need that. Why did we replace Rebecca Ferguson? There's more of an a, you know, there's there's a three movie buildup.
1: And it makes Ethan own. Hunt's character look terrible. If that, right. like like uh, the only women that are allowed in this IMF program are well, people the that bond he's sexually movie. attracted yeah. to.
0: Well, but, you know, it's every James Bond movie. I mean, every bond. But girl. he's not
1: right. But he's not James Bond. Like, don't write him as if he's James Bond. They've written him like he's James Bond. I know, I know. I don't disagree. I'm just saying it's like, it's getting, I don't like it. I'm not (laughs) again. Well, I tell you what, I think, I I hope
0: Dead Reckoning Part 2, she's just a part of the team, and let's go. In this movie, they sell her on becoming a part of the team. And they do cover
1: it with, like, Ethan Hunt, just, like, the whole crux of his character is that he cares about his team more than himself so it doesn't even matter if he is sexually attracted to her it's just that he cares that deeply because she's part of the team now well she's an expert con you know a con con man con
0: woman and she needed to be in that final sequence for it, for it to work otherwise they're all you know we're, we're living in age of ultron right, right. now right. <laughs> so i guess that's my next topic what did you think of the age of ultron
1: a.i. As the big baddie here. So is this just an updated 2001? Like, I, what do you do? What are you doing, Dave? I think we're going to get AI as the bad guy in a lot of right. these
0: plots. Especially after the writers' strike, we're going to see a movie based on it in the creator. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that trailer coming Good out point. in September. We just saw the Fast franchise deal with an AI bad guy, right? Or, or obviously Marvel's dealt with it.
1: I don't love it, and it's tough to do. I mean, in the the Gabriel character as the personification of this guy who's basically taking orders from the AI, from the Dead Reckoning AI, who has like become this self aware and self learning thing. Even though it doesn't, you know, it, it is separate from Ultron in that it, it's not itself personified.
0: I mean, it's scary, but like you're right, it was scary in the late '60s, and then again in the '80s. And yeah, maybe in the twenty twenties, so maybe it's been scary a few times. I hope they make it scary in the next movie, but I hope Isai Morales is not necessarily the head of the spear in the next movie. Like they need they need this AI to somehow transform into something truly scarier or whatever. It's or tough having, to write. It's really I don't tough know to how write. Because like how do you do it? <laughs> Without like, an Ultron.
1: <laughs> right. like what's the and if if Isai if if Gabriel is the the guy, like, if he's the main person just because he thinks that AI is going to take over the world?
0: Yeah, and if AI is... uh, Well, here's the thing. Like, the biggest issue I have is if this thing is powerful enough to take over all the satellites and take over all the comms, why isn't it taking over more of the weaponry and attacking Ethan Hunt via just whatever, taking over the I don't know. Taking over the well, satellites that's sh- be coming, right? Is that coming because we're getting more and more drone? Like, why isn't there an army of drones attacking Ethan Hunt in right. this movie Yeah. Right? Like, because right. you're you're missing opportunities. So we we saw the AI essentially,
1: you know, destroy the submarine, correct? Can Which was you- cool. I mean, a really cool opening and a, a cool idea that it can mess with radar like that. But also, I was wondering. What what is the point of it doing that? It just wanted the submarine to sink to the bottom of the ocean so it could live forever. So my
0: interpretation of that is that it escaped the submarine. It's this, it escaped into the cloud after sh- basically breaking out of its cage in the submarine, except it's not a tangible human being, so it cannot it cannot get its safeguard key. Like the safeguard key is ultimately recovered. So, but in the time that it takes to grow its strength in the cloud and get its, you know, get its two champions and Isai Morales's Gabriel and Pom Clementith's Paris, in the time that it took to do that, the key was recovered by who, who got the key out of the Arctic? I don't even remember that. It winds up in Ilsa Faust's hands.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I don't remember, <laughs> so,
0: like, I don't remember that. This is where I need another rewatch. But, I mean, it, it it's a cool setup for a movie. I just don't understand how Gabriel and Paris are their two champions. Or do they want to control the AI as well? And they're going to... Like, that's what we're going to have to find out in part
1: two. Yeah, like, are they submissive? Are they henchmen to the AI or are they trying to control it? Does...
0: Gabriel just want to wipe out the human race, which is, I'm guessing, his motivation. So, and that where did,
1: I mean, I know we talked about this, but just to get it on the record, like the way they shoehorn Gabriel into this plot as somebody awful. who, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I thought they were trying to reference something that could have happened in Mission Impossible One. That's why I went back and rewatched Mission Impossible One because I thought they were trying <laughs> to get him to, to say he was one of the assassins that killed Kristen uh, Scott Thomas's character, but uh, it it couldn't have been. Because they revealed that to be Gene Reno. I'm, I'm not. I don't care if I'm spoiling Mission Impossible One. It's 30 years old.
0: Right. He, he was not involved in Mission Impossible One. He was just this, this prequel character. Essentially. So these
1: flashback scenes they're showing of him killing somebody close to Ethan is nobody we know. Correct. I, as far as I know. Yeah. That's I, that's I do I do I do not like that. <laughs> it
0: wasn't like they. Yeah. They put a Jack Nicholson look alike on the face of, you know, the Wayne family killer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's they they did that. I mean, it, but this is the the Jacob Toretto thing. Like he was the bad guy all along, right. and that's kind of goofy and stupid. And we've seen it done a ton of times. Maybe and
1: was, much much like the Jacob Toretto character, not Gabriel, but one of his you know the other henchmen, pom Klementov, becomes a good guy by the end of the movie.
0: Yeah, but well, that's the thing. Like if she's such a zealot that she will is willing to be a slave to this artificial intelligence's whim and future and she's trying to get rid of the kill key of the AI then why would she just turn on a dime because Ethan spared her life does that make any sense so she, she she's got to be like some mercenary for
1: and it's even worse than that she doesn't turn she doesn't turn because Ethan saved her life she turns because Gabriel insists she's going to turn because Ethan saved her life okay. like she's still there to help You're Gabriel
0: right. You're right. So she's still in Gabriel's corner until Gabriel turns. on Until <laughs> Gabriel man. turns on her, and then she's like, "Fuck you, man." Maybe she just likes the the <laughs> laugh. And oh, she was great. she's my favorite character in this movie. She's very Sorry good. Either. I agree. I agree. She's very good. Loved her. She's laughing during that car chase in that that giant Hummer. Yeah, just she's a badass. Enjoying it, and then she's menacing as all hell during that uh,
1: that corridor
0: alleyway Jesus
1: cage and that's that's why I feel bad like talking so negatively about this stuff as we do even though it was confusing but it is a straightforward movie but there was so much cool stuff packed into this like speaking of cinematography how they shot that tight corridor fight scene with those three people yeah especially with only like having them in shadows essentially because of the one spotlight that was behind them only illuminating their silhouettes that's impressive stuff. They said it was very difficult to shoot uh,
0: Palm Clementine in all her interviews, and yeah, we've we've gotten the stories that came out about, you know, she's living the lifestyle. She's she's uh, skydiving with Tom Tom Cruise on on their off days, and she's begging him to punch her in the stomach during the actual scene, which he's refusing <laughs> to do. You know, he doesn't want to break break ribs. I mean, I, right. I get it, and, and he, he shouldn't get punched in the stomach for real himself either of course so (laughs) (laughs) but she's committed man and it feels like it watching her work so i i thought the villain problems were solved by her in this movie like i wasn't necessarily understanding gabriel all that well even though he was pretty good it's just like he gets bested in this film and my biggest problem with two-part movies or serial you know, big bad villains, are serial movie, big bad villains, or serial storytelling, where you have a big bad that's supposed to show up again and again. If you see them get bested in an earlier movie, why am I afraid of them in a, in a subsequent film? Like Thanos was terrifying in Endgame because he won Infinity War. Mm. Darth Vader was terrifying in Return of the Jedi, and the Emperor was terrifying because they won when the Empire Struck Back. Mm. You you have the Spot, who's going to be a scary, creepy villain, and and beyond the Spider Verse because, you know, Miles Morales did not really have his final showdown with the Spot in across the Spider Verse.
1: Yeah, but I mean, uh, I mean to to take that specific example, the Spot was bested in the first Spider Verse. He, he was bested at the beginning,
0: but not as the, not with all his new powers right. yet. He was he was winning. He's winning <laughs> right now. Anyway, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not. I guess I'm sort of half spoiling these, but again, Empire struck back in the
1: '80s <laughs> or late '70s. No '80s. Yeah. Uh,
0: we we have Isai Morales as Gabriel, just outsmarted, out physicald. At the mercy of Tom Cruise in this movie, like all that's left for him to do is die, in the next one, right? I mean, am I crazy?
1: Well, no, and that's like, the 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 part two is being set up to go back to the sub, because they're gonna have that's where like the the AI, the Dead Reckoning AI, is hosted, right? And to me, that's why the the AI had the sub sink because that could, it could live forever so long as where it's hosted in the sub, in the base of the sub, where the key needs to be entered, is like the host of the Dead Reckoning AI. And okay. so Tom Cruise is going to have to get there to kill it. Okay. So, okay. gotcha. I mean, I, think, I don't think Gabriel is going to be the big bad, but I, I, I do agree that I, I think his motivations are not clear at all. Like, it's tough to tell whether or not he wants to be the guy in control of it and just make a lot of money from having that power or if he's submissive to it and he's like a henchman of it.
0: That's what I don't get yet. I think it's I think if the A.I. takes a larger role in the next movie and we actually get Tom Cruise versus like swarm of drones yeah maybe that's maybe that's the scariest thing which
1: is a cool mission impossible I, they also like they're towing this line with the whole idea of what is truth and how AI can control truth and that's such a prevalent and and modern mm-hmm. uh, movie point i think a plot point because we have all the you know, issues with social media right now and russian hacking and etc election influence and election denial etc etc like that that is a storyline that i think could be very very rich it's gonna be incredibly difficult to write but i hope they don't shy away from that completely
0: okay i i just don't have a lot of confidence after the expo dumps in this movie yeah. that's where i'm that's where i'm at so i'd rather just Make sure they have the goods in the next, se- and that's a cynical way to look at the next film, but in the, the six sequences that they plan for the next movie, just make sure they're great like this one. <laughs> but I, I, look, I hope that they bring it home, and they actually explore a few of these themes better. And I, I give you credit for having hope in the in the themes, because obviously they are weighted. Uh I guess we should kind of maybe run down a, a little bit of the of this plot that we haven't covered yet yeah. necessarily. I think we could kind of skip the submarine and he accepts the mission from the delivery guy scenes and, and go right to the Arabian Desert fight. What, what did you, he you just think just said of no.
1: What's like, that? Do you mission you if you choose to accept it. He's like, I'm good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made that joke seven times before. Bro, well, right, but like series. every one of these, every one of these is the same. He's got to, Ethan Hunt has to be sick of this because every mission involves him saying, essentially saying, I, I have to screw the U.S. Well, this or- one's even worse mike because kittredge is like hey
0: i am actually going to give you this mission i'm going to oppose you throughout the mission but i'm going to tell you how to fix it if you want to fix it and we're going to be fighting against each other but here's the mission and all the details
1: (laughs) well this yeah this one is different because
0: uh, so is kittredge corruptible yes kittredge he's like listen i think the right thing to do is to get control over this ai but I don't. I know you're gonna go rogue anyway, and you're gonna do what you do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go back and forth. <laughs> so, the, is 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 Kittredge going against you? The U.S. policy here is he like going rogue himself, or is he acting on behalf of the U.S. by being on that train and trying to get the the key? I, I'm not sure how Kittridge
0: to carry Elway, Elways is mm-hmm. like Dread Pir- Pirate Roberts is going about he's talking about the new world order. We want the America to be America to be the super state. And I'm the only person that knows where the submarine is, which the guy's like bullshit and just kills him anyway, yeah. which is like, <laughs> I mean, uh, I had a bloodlust in that scene just because of the terrible exposition stupid face <laughs> of carry always there. And sorry, i love, I love him, but he's bad in that scene. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think that the Arabian Desert fight was weird because like he's like you just know his allegiance is to Ilsa Faust, is to Rebecca Ferguson, and he's going to help her in that sequence. And then you get the fake out death. I felt like they could have done so much more with that sand fight. Well, I don't know a sandstorm fight. The Arabian Desert, this was the same thing in John Wick Four. I'm not gonna spoil anything. There's like a little brief chase scene on horses at the beginning of John Wick Four. That was it.
1: Just to be cool, yeah. Just to be cool, yeah. I guess there is there there is an argument that the uh, that whole scene doesn't play very well into the plot.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I mean, I, I don't I don't dislike it. I guess it's the whiff of death for her character, and we mm-hmm. we kind of have to live with the the knowledge that all right, it prepares us for her eventual death in this movie. Uh, the Kittredge meeting at the black site warehouse place was pretty cool i love that and then you have the abu dhabi airport chase scene which was fun i thought I, I, did people not like this sequence at the i don't airport? understand
1: it it was and that's you get, you get the most use out of ving rames character there uh simon Pegg because has to go off on his own side quest and find that bomb you know and figure it out isn't there that an obligatory
0: loaded. scene of a mission impossible you have to disarm a nuclear bomb of course at some point of course <laughs> And that was actually a weaponized ex- Expo dump there because you're remembering all of the the team allegiances when yeah my the most important thing is my friend I mean that thing was a lie detector test <laughs>
1: expositing things about the team
0: which was great yeah
1: I like I, that you're absolutely right that served that purpose. you also have the uh I also like that there was a lot of antagonisms against Ethan in this like you have the two cops that are always chasing him. Throughout the entirety of this, I movie. loved
0: it. Yeah, I loved uh, Shea Wiggum and the the role of Degas. Uh, I, I wrote his name down. He's pretty good. He's from Top Gun. Greg Tarzan Davis, great name by the way. <laughs> That's a great name. And uh, he he was he was good. And I hope they come back in the next movie. But you're right; they're like these <laughs> middlemen operators with a uh, con- with consciences, which is great. And consciences. Anyway, Haley Atwell, you don't know what the hell she's going to do. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have these mystery bad guys.
1: And you have um, Gabriel who just disappears. And, you know, Tom Cruise sees him and is stunned with his glasses on. Then he takes the glasses off and Gabriel disappears. You know, look, he's like a, he himself is a virus blip. That was kind of cool. So that that harkened back to the first Mission Impossible, where you have like
0: three or four operators going, three or four teams in play
1: mm-hmm. at,
0: at any one time for this capture the flag game, and then you have the Rome sequence, which starts out with the, in the cutesy way uh, inside the Italian police station, and then of course you have the first half of the car chase where she's driving and she gets crushed. That was scary. <laughs> with yep. the, she gets hit and spun and then she's having the drive because uh, <laughs> it's 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 just a wild sequence where mantis is hunting them down uh pomclementine I, I knew yeah. i was going to call her mantis clown <laughs> mantis <laughs> clown mantis, <laughs> 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 clown mantis. <laughs> terrifying and then you have uh, you have that that's oh my god dude, just the number of great you know write yourself in into a corner and
1: figure yeah. out a way to get out of it Moments, And you know what I appreciate about this series, too? It's a little thing, but like I got to stop saying like they do write themselves in the corners. But the corners are a lot of times come from surprises because they have a plan. But things always go wrong in the plan and they have to just adapt on the fly. And I re- that doesn't isn't the case in a lot of James Bond movies and other spy thrillers we see. Things just tend to go according to plan. I mean, obviously, there's obstacles that pop up. But things in Mission Impossible, these guys usually have a plan, and it goes awry. Now, you were saying that you rewatched Rogue Nation and Fallout
0: for this. Did you remember Rebecca Ferguson and Tom Cruise having a lot of those moments, necessarily? Or were they kind of two very capable spy people? Because, yeah, you have... You have action comedy with Haley Allen. I mean, the, the it's the funniest part of the movie for me when they actually flip over uh, the and and down the Spanish Steps mm-hmm. in Rome, and they literally flip over one another, handcuffed into inside of that Fiat, and then yeah. she's driving again. <laughs>
1: it's good, yeah.
0: Doing donuts. <laughs> that was great. I was dying in that <laughs> sequence.
1: But And there's uh, all kinds of little games being played within this too. Haley Atwell keeps trying to get away, but that's why Tom Cruise inevitably does have to handcuff him to her. He handcuffs her on winning. the wrong side. She's yeah. winning this
0: movie, just like Rebecca Ferguson was winning the previous films from Tom Cruise for a while. Mm-hmm. So do you do you remember Rebecca Ferguson being, you know, comedy fodder at all? I don't I don't Not
1: so yeah. much, no. Right,
0: so you get that dynamic here, which is which is fun, and then the vent. I mean, Vanessa Kirby was good for anything in this movie. She threw quite the sexy party. It's Like we get these, (laughs) we get these sexy European raves in Mission Impossible movies.
1: I want one in every movie now, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so overly convoluted, but of course, (laughs) like a Mission Impossible movie, it's yes. This was my plan all along to get all three of you main characters here. And it works, and and I don't care how convoluted it is because it leads to more cool action scenes. I just picture Christopher McQuarrie doing research at these raves
0: every year, in, <laughs> all over Europe. It's gotta he's be a great game. poked out of his mind. Oh no! But it's just him and Tom Cruise just going to these rave parties for research. Mm-hmm. What a great what a great life. Uh, but yeah, that that was a crazy ass scene. And you're right, it, it's overly convoluted, and it leads to the foot chase foot chase scenes and then the two big fist fights happening simultaneously well one's a knife fight on the bridge there in venice between rebecca ferguson and 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 gabriel and meanwhile you got the the close quarters you know corridor fight there Good yeah God, all, well, she's all, got all that, that nighttime pipe.
1: stuff uh the pom Clemente having the pipe yeah i oh, love and the pipe ethan sparing her life with it but all that nighttime stuff in Paris, in the outdoors, the action on the bridge, the fogginess, the the way it was shot, the darkness, the blue lighting background, all that stuff on the outside was very reminiscent of Mission Impossible 1. Good,
0: yeah. And a little bit of fallout there, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just just awesome. Uh, we, we move right from there into like a one sequence, or one brief scene. I keep calling these sequences, but they all feel like bigger than, than they are. But the scene in between is Ethan Hunt convincing Grace to join the team. And I thought that was a compelling sequence because she's been, you know, she's been elusive the whole film. And you
1: you still don't believe her even after she agrees to join up. She could have gotten away scot-free. I, I, I didn't understand Ethan putting that much trust into her the whole time. I think I there's actually a good... Team
0: selling point. I mean, he's been good for teamwork in his last few movies. I mean, Top Gun Maverick is a movie about teamwork. You think she level. saw
1: Top Gun Maverick and was I like, think she, I, can "I trust this guy"? Yeah, <laughs> I think she
0: saw Top Gun Maverick and Haley Atwell slash Grace.
1: They're willing to buy but, in after that. But she's she's a character. Grace tries the entire movie to get away from Ethan. But this is but but that theme
0: of changing hearts and minds. God, I can't use, I believe I'm using that phrase. <laughs> it, it matters to this movie. We, we see it again with the, uh, with the Palm Clemente character. And we also yeah. see it with Shea Wiggum and the, you know, the two FBI or CIA guys.
1: I can't believe there's a guy, there's a cop named Wiggum who plays a cop. <laughs> Straight out of The Simpsons.
0: I, I, I love him so much. He's done every <laughs> HBO show that I've ever watched, which is great for me. And then now he's showing up in all my favorite franchises perfect just keep he does, it coming
1: it very very windstruck quaff on top of his head throughout this movie too god bless him god i wish
0: <laughs> i wish i still did but so that 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 train sequence is funny because well number one the mask thing breaks again that's what i like, mean yeah
1: there's just all these little things that go wrong yeah
0: <laughs> from ghost protocol the, the mask thing breaks so she has to be the focal point of the plan on the train while you have tom cruise in this goofy ass i mean when he gets to the top of the mountain and you know exactly where he's going and Simon Pegg is just like well i thought you could just jump off and <laughs> <laughs> that he's like what that was really funny and the most ludicrous part of this movie is when he happens to crash into the very car yes. at the very moment yes. of the guns drawn standoff where- But isn't
1: it funny how willing we are to forgive I'm willing to forgive it because like, it's I don't hilarious. care. Yeah, exactly. I don't it's, care. That's fine. Coincidental, sure. <laughs> I don't care because it's funny.
0: And if you joke away the obvious logistical objection, we've seen the Marvel cinematic universe get away with this for years, I'm sure. Yeah. It's been happening in
1: serialized
0: storytelling and action storytelling for years, so we don't care.
1: And kudos to Chris McQuarrie and company too because I remember joking on our trailer review from this movie. What could possibly be the events in the context in which Tom Cruise has to jump off that cliff and parachute into that village? And you know what? It was realistic enough. (laughs) It was realistic to me. It was just some harebrained idea by Simon Pegg. (laughs) I mean, when you're on the go and you have to, the cat and mouse of this really is kind of cool. Gabriel knows that Tom Cruise is that Ethan Hunt is that capable, so he ensures that the train can't slow down around the curve. So that's a thing that goes awry with the original plan because Tom Cruise was just going to hop on the thing when it slows down around the curve, so now he has to go on the fly. And on the fly, all he can do is jump off and do this like, free-fall cliff dive thing. I have no idea how realistic any of this is for an actual spy. <laughs> but you know what? For a movie spy, I'm in. But this was a better train
0: fight at least topside train fight than I've seen in a while. It was a better, it was a, obviously it was the craziest way to get on the train ever. Mm -hmm. It was a cool little spy game inside of the train with Haley Atwell. And then you have the runaway train, you know, stopping the runaway train sequence, which becomes this don't fall off the cliff. And I got, Oh my God. Like the, to me, the craziest part of that sequence was Getting through the kitchen car, mm-hmm. all of the deep fryers just exploding, coming at you, yeah, lighting on fire. Jesus, that was nuts. It was. It was. And, it's very, very innovative writing too. That was like when the two trailers were falling off the cliff cliff in the Lost World Jurassic Park, which was pretty scary. Even though it was probably superfluous for that film, but it was a Spielberg made a scary sequence out of it. Mm. Should have had more dinosaurs involved in it, maybe, but uh, yeah, the T Rex at the end. But whatever, uh, that was a great sequence where Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell had to believably get the hell off this train, and then uh, I-, I loved the fact that he's really just whatever he's doing, whoop de woo, twirling with it, just flying. <laughs> of course, he flies to the epilogue. Of course, he does that.
1: <laughs> and that's that's where we land on this, right? It's it's absurd and ridiculous, but it's you look, the pacing was great. The story wasn't all that crazy. It was pretty linear and easy to follow for the most part, even though the MacGuffin of it all is kind of absurd. And the, the stunts were were insane. And that's you know, sign me up if that's a Mission Impossible movie.
0: Yeah, so I'm probably taking points off for some of the goofy plotting. However, I'm adding points. I, there's no way I can give this anything less than a B plus, and I think same. I'm the same thing. Yep. I think I'm an 88, maybe an 89. Upon re-watches, I'll, I'll bump it up. I'm I'm wondering if I rank it higher than John Wick Chapter Four or not. Um, I have like oh. Guardians, Guardians Three, John Wick Four, and now Mission Impossible Seven. They're in like this tier of movies for me, and I don't know how I rank them necessarily. So that's gonna be You were very,
1: very high. I'm I'm surprised to hear this is in the John Wick ballpark for you because you were extremely high on John Wick 4. Well John Wick 4 has the dumbest plot ever, but
0: who cares because <laughs> again, the fight scenes and the action scenes are great. Yeah. So they have some all timers in there. Like like we're gonna have an all time car chase in this movie. That car chase sequence should be an all timer. The the obviously the train sequence is an all timer. I, it's it's hard to give this movie anything less than a B plus B+, 88, 89 is probably where I'm at. Is it an A- minus upon up rewatch? Maybe it is. So I, I'm rooting for Dead Reckoning Part 1 to do better at the Oscars than we think, better at the box office than we fear, and, and certainly, uh, yeah, better on my list at the end of the year. Uh, I'm
1: excited to rewatch this. I was 87 B-plus as well. Are you if you had to balance percentage wise excitement versus fear for dead reckoning part two, what is your percentage?
0: I hope that he sees a lot of the things that, that, that I see in terms of pitfalls Mm -hmm. And, and let's, let's be frank. Like Tom Cruise is, is driving this, this movie, of course, dead reckoning part two. He's much smarter than us. So he's seen these things go awry a hundred times. And look, I mean, you can always just watch Fast X1. And I'm sure he can get a hold of that script. He's worked for Universal before, right? So whatever their <laughs> shooting script is, get a hold of it and just avoid, just do the other thing. Don't do what they do. <laughs> but we'll like both movies because we're goofballs. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just, just keep making these. <laughs> I love yeah. these movies. These are awesome. Uh, there you go. That That is it, uh, dear listener. What matters, as always, to us are your thoughts. Have you seen Dead Reckoning Part 1? Are you more excited or fearful for Part 2? What were your highlights? What were your lowlights from this? You can leave us those, as well as, as always, any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have for anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at and Instagram with an M there at the end at mm and Oscar on Twitter. Like Mike said, if anyone's still there, we're going to get something up on thread soon. I don't, we haven't yet. Uh, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit, we are available wherever you hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far, Michael, tell the good people what's coming next. If you, uh, if you choose to accept it and as well let's have some words of wisdom i am
0: very angry at some of these emmy noms and i'm delighted by some of the others so we're going to (laughs) do one of our few mike mike and emmy episodes i don't know if that will be combined with an oscar race checkpoint or if we'll have another two-part recording we got to see because we also got a lot of movie news and and industry news We, we can have sag africa going on strike today our day of recording this episode we can have a bunch of trailers a bunch more trailers that we have to review we already know we have a couple in mm-hmm. that next episode that are oscar trailers for certain uh, that have been released in the last few days so a lot to talk about including barbenheimer first reactions <laughs> and and that's what's coming down the pike next week with a barbie film study with an oppenheimer film study we're doing those back to back after a special episode recording that i think is going to be a a good idea to to, to get in because uh, we we've gone far too long without talking about how to make money from this uh <laughs> enterprise that we're in and how to do it uh on the edge of legality mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to talk about some oscar bets <laughs> With a friend, right? I Mike, mean, Mike and
1: Oscar, the edge of legality.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, that all of that's coming. And then, yeah, we, we even got a, another guest book, uh, booked for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, I if I gave people one guest, do you think they can guess who that what, that, that guest is? <laughs> <laughs> I think they could
1: figure it out for themselves, probably, I would say.
0: <laughs> As for words of wisdom, give Tom Cruise an Oscar, right? I mean, yeah. now, like, but, all right, but at the very least... You now have a ticking clock academy. Just like every third act of a movie, you have a ticking clock. You're going to make mm-hmm. the stunt category, and Tom Cruise is going to win the first Oscar in that category. That's happening. You don't want to get him uh, an acting
1: award? Yeah, he could get one of those two, I guess. <laughs> but uh, Give him give him the uh, the William Holden role for the Sunset Boulevard remake opposite Glenn Close, and let's just do it all with one bullet here. Oh.
0: That's interesting,
1: you see? That's interesting. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come you can always complete these impossible missions. It sh- really should be mission improbable, but that's fine with us. <laughs> we are Mike, Mike and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See you.)